listening to the Heavy Checklist Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Heavy Checklist Podcast. Here we are with some of my favorite people in the entire world. And you guys are probably thinking, whoa, you're back after a week? You're damn right we are. We are taking this thing seriously, aren't we? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So guys, as you know, um, the Heavy Checklist Podcast is a show all about uh, just becoming better. And we give you simple marching orders because we're pretty simple guys. And we know that there's a lot of simple people out there who just want simple advice. And sometimes all it takes is just listening to other people talking about it to be able to implement some cool strategies in your life that can make you better. Now, having said that, tonight, eh, not so simple. Tonight, we're going to be diving deep into your subconscious and it is going to blow your damn mind. So buckle up, like literally buckle up. Marcus, are you buckled up? Click, click. Perfect. Here I am. You've been warned. Yeah. And guess who's back? We've got Mr. Kenny Thompson after a, uh, well, the, the podcast took a little bit of a hiatus. And then obviously each individual host has had things going on, but we're back. We've got Kenny Thompson. We've got Mr. What, what are you going by these days? Mustache wing, Mr. Mustache wing. I mean, that don't sound bad. It's That's, got a nice ring to I it. I kind of like but it. But you know, the, the Instagram handle is big Marcus wing. Big Marcus wing. I've been growing into big my mustache? name, man. You really have. I want you to fill my shoulders after the show. I'd love to. I'm really proud of them. Yeah, it's a promise. I like I'll do where it. this is going okay. already. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, aside from our regular hosts, we have a very special guest, somebody who I am, like, I'm genuinely excited. Like, you know, we've had guests on the show and I've been excited to talk to people, but this is somebody who I'm genuinely, genuinely excited to not only speak with tonight personally, but also to share with our listeners because Mr. Mike Simpson is one of the most man, what do, I, what do I even start with this? One of the most talented and one of the most interesting people that I've ever had the pleasure of working with. Mike is a, um, Mike's got a lot of titles. Uh, I'm just going to kind of breeze through them here. Um, one that I like to say is he's an NLP practitioner. So that's neuro-linguistic programming. So that is something that we're going to dive into tonight in the show. Um, he's also got questions. <laughs> yeah, I know this is going to be perfect for you. Uh, we've got uh, another title, which is a master and health practitioner. Uh, he's a board-certified hypnotherapist. He's a certified heart map uh, practitioner. This guy, and that's just a few of his titles. Like he's a, he's an author. Uh, just released a book. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, um, nice to be here. You know what? It's nice to have you here simply because, well, a lot of reasons, but reasons that mean a lot to me and Kenny here is you've helped both of us um, throughout different uh, sessions and stuff. So guys, uh, the reason why Mike is so valuable to us is because he's somebody who's actually worked through um, a lot of different stuff with both Kenny and I. Kenny, oh, for years now, right? Yeah, I've known Mike for a number of years and at different times in my life, uh, you know, you go through times where uh, I like to look at the way we live our lives. Uh, you know, historically, it's like we're NASCAR drivers. You got to pull over for a pit stop. <laughs> and what you're pulling over for to get back on the track, when you meet a guy like Mike that can get you back on the track better and faster than you were before, you never forget it. And you build a deep relationship and a connection and uh, someone that you uh, look forward to meeting with whenever you can. Yeah. So Kenny um, mentioned to me a while back, he's like, hey, I got my buddy Mike Simpson. I think you really should meet with him. Um, he does hypnotherapy. And you guys already know that I'm way open-minded and, and way into hypno hypnosis and that kind of stuff. And so he's like, he's really busy though. Um, so we're going to get you on a, on a schedule like as soon as possible. And, you know, Kenny is, let, let me put, let me put it this way. 
Kenny's the first person who introduced me to pre-workout. I didn't even know what like caffeine was. And yeah. back, like I was home yeah. from a mission for like a year and he's like, hey, drink this. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll drink it. Next thing you know, my, my skin's itching. I'm feeling like all this like crazy motivation. I'm, I'm lifted more weight than I've ever lifted. So you've never led me astray, which right. is why I was like, okay, you know, I'll try this guy I out. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> One time I went to the gym with Kenny and he got me a peanut butter uh, protein shake after, and he put espresso shots in them, and that was weird as hell. <laughs> that never happened. That yes, wasn't it did. on purpose. Gold's gym. Like somebody somebody, somebody spiked it. I might have been spiked with one of those as well. Okay. You had here so nor there. The thing is, he would walk into the health shop there, and and he would give him a wink and nod and a jiggle, and they would know his order. <laughs> yeah, and they'd be like, "Yeah, we're coming right up, Kenny." And they'd be oh. like, "There was one drink called um, Black Pearl, the libido enhancer oh, that he'd my. always put in my stuff." Like, yeah, listen. But look at you now. Look, look at what me now. Did. Look at me now. <laughs> look where we're at. So that's why I was like, you know what? If he's your guy and he's a he's somebody that you're highly recommending, then I'm definitely going to go meet with him. And so I go down to meet with Mike, and I had pretty. Um, I didn't really have many expectations other than Kenny had mentioned this guy does hypnosis, right? So I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to go down and get hypnotized. And so I sit down on the couch, and Mike sits in his chair, kind of like the, you know the therapist and the and the the patient, and starts doing the just getting to know you stuff. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, getting to know you, answering some questions. Next thing you know, <laughs> next thing you know, we are like way deep in my childhood, yeah. talking about like these different things and the the way I act. And like, I'm like, well, hold on a minute, like are we still getting to know each other? Yeah. Or, or <laughs> I think we're, so what you do really well, Mike, is you are really good at extracting information from people in a conversational setting. Um, and this is just my opinion of you. This may not, this is not me trying to say that this is what you do for a practice, but um, what you did for me was you helped me work through things. And like I said, in my last podcast with Andrea, um, things that I didn't even know were in there. Um, Turns out, as we're growing up, and especially when we're young kids and stuff, we're very impressionable, right? And, yeah, that's and, right. And things things, kind of hit us, and they stick with us. Right. Um, and so you are really good at finding, um, well, I'll, I'll help you guys understand some of the things that he does. Uh, he has helped many people overcome all sorts of addictions. You've um, There's a cool story in your book where you're actually using your techniques not medical tech. Are these medical techniques? No, they're not. They're not medical techniques because you're not a medical doctor, no. but using this, these techniques to do things like helping your wife overcome an actual illness, Graves disease. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. And this is an actual like medical diagnosis that the doctors in the hospital kind of said, Hey, you got this thing going on. And through the power of your work that was healed. So yeah, that's right. That stories like that are not uncommon for you. Right. Yeah. You know, in that particular case, um, she, when she contracted Graves' disease, we went to the doctors to figure out what was going on. She was having a lot of struggle with uh, low iron, itchy skin, and just just really in a lot of pain. And we'd, we would do a lot of mountain biking, and she started to slow down quite a bit. So we got in, and we, we ended up getting a diagnosis. And so I, I went ahead one day after the diagnosis came in and I asked her if she wanted to talk about it. And she knew that was a loaded question because I, I did with her what I did with you. Right. And that's basically to start digging into the subconscious mind and find out what's going on there. And what we found inside of her was a deep conflict. And that conflict was, was so painful for her that it started to manifest in a physical way. And somehow it triggered her body to become allergic to her own thyroid. Jeez. 
And so there is no medical solution for this. So the options that were given to us, you know, from the medical field was, you know, to take this radiation to kill the thyroid and you'll have to be on this synthetic medication for the rest of your life. And so it, it was really daunting to, to look at that. But when we had that conversation, we actually had it in the parking lot of a grocery store. And I actually talk about this in the first chapter of my book because the book really explains how did I get here. You know, I didn't ever plan on doing this for a living. I, I just ended up here because of some natural abilities that I've been given. And But when we were sitting in that grocery store, I started to ask questions. And within maybe 15 minutes, she was in tears and we had gotten into the core of that conflict. And for her to see it from a conscious perspective allowed her to have a chance to be able to choose how she wanted to respond to this. And so... I mean, we could dig in a little deeper if you want, like if you want to talk about, you know, how could that turn into an illness? Well, and I do want to do that. I want to do that. Uh, so guys um, and gals listening to this and, and watching this now on YouTube, you guys know we're on YouTube now, right? That's fantastic. I watched the episode. Doing really well. People are loving it. Um, turns out there's a huge platform and a huge audience for this type of content on YouTube. It's a 90 minute video, but people, I've people are loving it. I've had, I've had people reach out and Absolutely. say they've watched it two or three times. Huh. Um so super cool, which is why, guys, we're, we're being committed to uh, not only putting this on all audio platforms, but as you, on YouTube as well. So if you're listening and you want to see our ugly faces or Mike's handsome face, just there you go. head on over to YouTube. But um, one of the biggest challenges that we have, um, especially me in hosting this show, is keeping us on track. And we were just talking about this before we started the show. Getting to a destination with each episode um, without getting too far off the rails. Mm -hmm. Now, at the same time, getting off the rails to a certain extent is where the good stuff happens. That's where kind of the meat and potatoes comes and things that as you're talking, you didn't even know you were thinking it, then all of a sudden you're saying it. So that's where we like to let the conversation get over here and get over here. But also you guys will find me constantly trying to rein it back into a certain um, kind of path that we're on. And so tonight's path is going to be uh, really, we're teeing up a lot more work that we're going to be doing with Mike. So if you're listening to this, just know that this is by no means a one and done session. This is something that um, we're actually working on creating a whole series of um, videos. Health and wellness exactly. overall, just, you know, bettering yourself. There's, there's been so much good feedback about the direction that, you know, Dave's taken this and uh, the people that have been involved that, you know, how do you not share what's, you know, helped us so much, but right. then there's eager people that want to know. So what better way to do it? Yeah. I, you know, and I, you could do a hundred sessions with Mike and still go do a hundred more and benefit each time. And so just know guys, as you're listening to this, that we're going to follow this up with some kind of entry level stuff where you can basically, because here's, here's what I really, I guess I'm trying to say is I would love for every single one of our listeners and viewers to be able to have a session with Mike, but it's just not reality. Right. You can't get everybody out here to Utah to sit down with you. You don't have the capacity. It's just not physically possible, especially with the volume of listeners that we have. So this is intended to be something that you guys can actually follow along and follow the courses. Um, and tonight is just going to be an intro into that. And uh, we'll give you more information soon as more videos and stuff start becoming available. Um, we've also talked about possibly doing some live events, which yeah. I think is really going to be the, the the home run here because that's something where once you get in the same room with Mike, you feel yeah. You feel a different energy. You understand? Can, can I kick it off with a with a very stupid question then? Yep, let's do it. Because I'm imagining from I have no idea what you're talking about right now. But what <laughs> I've imagined is you sitting on like a shrink couch, 
laid back and him with a notebook and glasses on <laughs> asking you questions. And I'm sure that's not it, but that's what I'm that's what I'm that's what I'm imagining. I mean, so what are we talking about? Here's the deal. What does that say it, about it, him, it, Mike? <laughs> Let's dig into this. <laughs> it actually kind of started almost like that. Mike yeah, Mike okay. was in a rolling chair. We were in his office at his house. Um, I jumped on the couch. More or less it's a, it's it was just kind of a setting where we could both be comfortable and, and start chatting. And and Mike said, you know, first thing when I sat down, he's like, Why are you here? And I was like, well, because Kenny sent me. He's like, yeah, but like, why are you here though? What are you, what's, what are we doing? And he makes, he ma rather than me going to him being like, Mike, help me. I need, I need, you know, whatever. He, he made me explain like, what am I looking for? How am I looking to grow? What are the things I'm trying to get out of this? So I want you guys, as you're starting this right now, don't you think Mike, that would be a good thing? In fact, everybody grab a piece. I wasn't even going to do this, but I'm going to do it now. Grab a pen and paper, everybody, especially obviously the listeners and stuff at home, Marcus, um, I want you doing this because you are. I got a notepad. Should I go grab it? You can do notepad. You can do it on your phone. However you want to do it. No, do it on do it on a notepad. I don't. I'll go grab a notepad. On your phone. We're gonna take a little I break and get some one. notepads here, guys. All right. Now that everybody has got their pen and paper, um, Mike is going to just ask some questions um, and kind of provoke some thought. And Mike, wouldn't you say just kind of start writing things down as it comes to him? Sure. So here's what we're gonna do, guys. I'm gonna give Mike. I'm gonna I'm gonna give Mike the mic. Uh, for the most part here. And you can kind of just start um, almost act as if we were going back to like session number one with, you know what, let's just do this. Start a session on Marcus. Sure. A mini I'm, session. I'm a complicated <laughs> deal though. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> you should be able to have him cracked in about 15 minutes. I yeah. think, I think I could be uh, a little more focused because last week when we were talking to that lady, I did a whole mess of bean burritos <laughs> And I was, you I think that's why my polarity was off. Your polarity was you off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Andrew. So best. that's one thing. Do you have a hard time focusing? Yes. Okay. Well, I, I feel like I've done really good in this setting though. You've done amazing. I yeah. remember when we went into this, I thought yeah. it was a joke. I thought yes. Marcus was going to be like making jokes the whole time, but he took it very seriously. So, um, uh, what other, I mean, any other, anything other things that you like want to work on? You're trying to get better at memory loss, anything? Uh, you know, I have been like fuzzy, like I, I, I'll, I'll think about something like, Oh, I gotta do this. And then I lose it. Like, and then it takes me like two minutes to think about it. And I've, and I've thought, I don't know if that's an issue or not, but like recently that's been happening a lot. Okay. Well, maybe we can start out by talking about physiology for a minute to, to give a little context around this. So often, um, we'll have a disposition or an attitude that's prevalent through much of the day. Where, you know, I, I talked to you about this, where your engine is revved a little more than just idling. Mm -hmm. You know, so things that are going on during the day have the ability to, to fill your body with um, stress hormones, with cortisol and adrenaline. And sometimes that becomes so normal, a normal part of our day that it, it, it just, it goes all day long. You know, if you, if you wanted to liken that to a, a tire, you know, maybe you have a slow leak. So it's, it's not like you're having a blowout, but that slow leak is affecting you all day long. And so one of the, uh, one of the effects of having a lot of cortisol in your, in your system, so if you're stressed out, you have extra cortisol. And cortisol is proven scientifically to cloud your, your reasoning. So you literally have a difficult time accessing your higher reasoning because the cortisol levels are high. Okay, so that's the stress hormone. And so often we, we, get, we get in this automatic pilot where, you know, our normal is maybe filled with stress all day long. And the way we deal with stress is we ignore it, you know. And sometimes we even use that adrenaline 
and that cortisol to fuel us. Like we have to get a little more upset to push us through our day, but inadvertently it's changing our internal weather system. So when you're having a hard time processing mentally, there's a really good chance that you're emotionally reacting to something that you haven't been paying attention to, which just, it blocks your ability to be able to get into that higher reasoning. So, how'd that sound? I don't know what cortisol is. Good. Yeah. That's that, a lot of people don't. Cortisol is an actual hormone. It's a chemical that your body secretes. So, caveman, picture a caveman. Caveman has got a lion coming after him, chasing him. He's, he's got he's to either run or he's got to fight it. So fight or flight. So your body will start to dump cortisol and adrenaline into your bloodstream, actually goes drips into your bloodstream, and then that increases your ability, it increases your strength, it increases your endurance, it increases your awareness. So when people are like literally about to die, you hear these stories about people having superhuman strength and stuff, that's because their body's actually being filled with this chemical. Um, adrenaline more, more so in those situations, but cortisol is that stress hormone that comes in all, in a lot of different situations, right? comes in th even from, does it come through working out? Um, you could probably get some adrenaline that way. Yeah. And it, it, it could come working out if you're upset. Right. You know, um, it, it's possible. The other Cortisol, side is it, it negative then? 100% well, negative? No. 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 It's designed for us, like he was saying, caveman. I mean, you, you know, you need it for those fight or flight moments. But I think, I mean, this is another understanding of what I took away when I'd had these conversations with Mike, but... It, when you're in a situation like at work in a business setting or, or at your desk or whatever you're doing and you're not in a life or death situation and you're stressed, your body doesn't know the difference, right? So then when you get that charge of cortisol, it also causes you, uh, most body types, to crave sugars. And then you store body fat. Yeah. And you hear about people when they're stressed, they eat more sugars or different things or crave sweet or salts. Um, I mean, it all is kind of like a vicious cycle. It's a vasoconstrictor as well, isn't it? Doesn't yes. it? So yeah, it it, does. it'll actually it'll actually make your blood vessels smaller. So then that raises your blood pressure. You get less blood to your brain. Like it's it intentionally is designed for like for survival, a burst. Like ah, I got to survive. But the problem that happens is, especially in this day and age, and this is what I found out. This was probably the most valuable thing I found out in some of my early sessions with Mike was my body was constantly in. Fight or flight. In this, like this, call it 30 to 50% mm -hmm. range of fight or flight. Like picture, and he gave me this great analogy. This is what he does best. He literally, he knows what I do for work and what I, the things that I enjoy. And he catered this whole session using this analogy. Is like this he did the big, same big, thing big, to big, me. Yeah, he probably used what real estate for you. He uh, did a speed bag, a punching yeah. bag. And he didn't even know I boxed. Yeah, he used engines literally and done stuff it that for me. day. So that's why he's like, he's like, so you take a car engine, right? And, uh, you know, those engines are designed to be at idle full throttle and then you know everywhere in between as you're driving right. down the road he's like what i'm finding is that your body is just at like a you're at like half rp half half throttle just staying there you're not getting a tons of ups you're not getting a tons of downs you're just staying right there around you know if your car maxes out at 9000 rpm you're stuck at 4000 rpm all the time and that's a terrible place to be if you're a mechanic you know you don't want to just be there all the time because you're going to overheat uh, you got to be able to calm down cool down and you're also not utilizing all the power that the engine has available so I found, or Mike found in me, that everything that I was doing in my life between my business and the way I handled stress and medications and all sorts of different things that I, that I had kind of allowed to come into my life put me at that half throttle range and I was stuck there and I was literally like constantly thinking, you know, subconsciously that 
there's a problem. There's a problem. There's a problem. This isn't okay. I'm not okay. And my blood pressure was high and all these different things. And so in do in working with Mike, some of the first things that we were able to figure out was how to bring my engine back down to idle. So what are some of those things? Well, that's what we're going to get into. Yeah. So th that's a great question. So, so that became part of your normal, right? Mm -hmm. So for you, normal was idling at, at, you know, 30 or 50% and you get used to that. So that's your normal. That's how you operate through your day. And so the first thing we, we needed to do is start to dig into your perception and your thoughts. You know, so if you remember, we talked about some of those thoughts would normally just run through your mind undetected. And a thought is a thing that has the ability to affect your emotional state. So if there's a troubling thought that gets past my conscious mind and I, I'm not paying attention to it, it could create inadvertently fight or flight inside of my body. That's the crazy thing. You got to rewind a little bit and listen to that thoughts get past your conscious brain meaning you're not even aware of these things going in there it could be a dumb little thing you heard somebody said something that you saw dumb little things all of a sudden they sneak past the goalie and all and then it's down deep inside your subconscious and then it just starts kind of like burrowing so like that in. pit like sometimes when i think about things you know like I'll, I'll, I'll think about something and then it gives me like a pit in the stomach that's right you know what now, i mean like and then anytime i think about that thing it's like an instant like yeah. Kick to the so, balls. So, so yeah, th that pit in your stomach is an emotional reaction. So a thought can trigger an emotional reaction, and it usually happens outside of your conscious awareness. So your engine inadvertently revs, and you're not really paying attention to it. And when that becomes your normal mode of operation, then you're just used to that, right? So now you're just used to, you know, so how much extra gas are you burning a day in, in, the, in the tank just by idling at that, at that level all day long? And so th there's a lot of cascading problems that happen when you're carrying around all of this excessive or excess cortisol. Some of the biggest things that you'll notice, like right off the bat, very noticeable, low energy, brain fog, bad memory, yeah. hypertension, high blood breathing. pressure. You're, yeah, your shallow breathing is something that I've like struggled with my entire life. Yeah. All these dumb little things that, that are physical manifestations of deeper issues. But these, <laughs> unfortunately, these are just like the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. When yeah. you start digging in, the problems get bigger if yeah. you don't resolve them. Well, I mean, let's talk about a real problem that exists today. We talk about anxiety. Yep. You know, people use that term. And by the way, I don't like labels. When someone comes into me and says, oh, I have anxiety. Well, that's just a big bucket. And some people, when they get that diagnosis, then they just, it has a stigma attached with it. It's like, well, there's nothing I can do except for maybe take this tranquilizer that can, you know, lessen my RPMs but there's nothing I can do about it. So there's that sense and that, that, that perception of hopelessness and helplessness. Tranquilizer meaning all of the different um, psych meds that are out there. Everything That's from right. your Xanax to your um, Ambien to make you sleep, all the stuff that, it's so crazy. I mean, big pharma, and we're not going to get into that because that's a whole different, that's a whole different ball of wax, but it is, it there, is. there is a big business and a big industry out there that's incentivized to just medicate us instead of heal us. So, yeah. So there is a special interest narrative out there yeah. that, that tends to blind us and it tends to sell us this perception of hopelessness and helplessness. Now, the heart math that we talked about earlier, it really becomes relevant in this conversation because there are practical steps that you can take. And, you know, I talked to you about that, right? Mm -hmm. So steps that you can take through the day that actually helps you manage the RPMs. Mm -hmm. Well, what, so going back to my experience is he started asking, well, what is it that makes you feel like 
you know, you have to fight or flight. What are those things that are making you feel that pit in your stomach for you? That's a great example. As you go throughout the day, what's that one thing? It's a bill, it's a letter, it's something that popped up that you're like, ugh. And then you either, you know, process it for a minute and then you bury it or you spend more time thinking about it. But either way, those come in and we allow them to change the way that we feel. So that thought then turns into a physical feeling, which is your emotion. So it's so, it's so, what's frustrating for me is this is so damn obvious. Yeah. It's just right in front of you once you start to understand this. But up until the point where somebody had explained it to me, like Mike, I didn't know. I just thought that this was life. I thought we had our ups and our downs and our things that stressed us out. So essentially he said, all right, well, let's go through and um, figure out what those things are that, that, you know, make you feel this way on any given day. So he basically gave me some homework. He said, tomorrow, as you're going throughout your day, take it a catalog of things that make you feel X. So if something makes you feel, you know, sad or bad or whatever it is, remember what it is and then take note of what that emotion is. Is it sadness? Is it regret? Is it anger? Is it anxiety? Is What is it? Take that thought and just put it up on a shelf, right? And so basically what he was telling me to do was become aware and start observing the things that were upsetting me, but that was it. Don't try to do anything about it. Don't try to work through it. Don't try to think about it. Just become aware. And it was crazy because I then started paying attention to all these things that like really bugged me that I thought were major like issues in my life and things that I had to like, you know, really work through. And instead I just started noting it. You know, I, here's a good, a good example. You guys know that I'm a little antisocial sometimes out in public. A little? <laughs> when, oh. when, when people come <laughs> and try to talk to me about trucks or something at a gas station and I'm in a hurry, that's something that really stresses me out. So I was literally leaving Mike's place and uh, I had this homework and I saw this guy walking up to me and my instant reaction was to like tense up, shallow right. breathing, blood pressure raise. I knew exactly all the, like put my shell up, you know what I mean? Instead, I was just like, okay, here he comes. This, this is making me feel dread. I'm dreading having this conversation with this guy because I don't have time for this. And so that was it. Thought about it, set it up there, had a quick conversation, moved on. I was like, oh, it wasn't that hard. So then throughout my day, I started figuring out all these other little things. Like, you know, I got, a, I got an email that I didn't like. Um, and I took and I thought, you know what? What, what is this thing making me feel? Well, again, it's making me feel dread because it's asking me to do something that I don't want to do. All right, just set it up there all these little things start to add up and it sounds like a lot of work. It actually sounds like a ton of work to catalog all these different thoughts when, and feelings. When you say set well, it on a shelf though, is that, is that like ignoring it? Just set it up and no, it's not just it's know that it's actually there. the you're opposite acknowledging it versus yeah, you're going to honor it happening to mm -hmm. you. So I feel like I should, should jump in and give you that analogy with the rat in the maze because yeah. it would really explain oh, yeah. this. So, there's, you know, there were some studies done by scientists who would measure the brain activity in the, the, the frontal cortex of the brain. And they would put a rat in a maze and they would measure. Now, real the, quick, uh, the frontal cortex is basically your operation center. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's turn left, Conscious turn right, mind. goes. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's what's happening right now in front yeah, of you, right? Right. Yes. And so when a rat is new to the maze, when they're measuring that brain activity, it lights up like a light bulb because it's sniffing around, it's up on its hind legs, it's trying to figure out where it's going to go. And initially, if when it's a new maze, it will be in fight or flight. So it's, it's, you know, heart rate is going to pick up. It's going to be in a state of stress. But once it learns about the maze and it starts finding its way through, at some point it, when it finds the reward, then it's, 
it, it gets that reward. And if they take it back to the beginning of the maze, what happens is it can now quickly run to the reward. But this time, while they're measuring the activity in the frontal cortex or the conscious mind, it doesn't light up at all. So in other words, it's memorized the maze. So now it's automatic. It doesn't have to think about it. Okay, so it just runs to the reward without thought. Now, this is what we do all day long. We just have a bunch of memorized behaviors that we do. And it also includes attitudes, right? It's like if I have an attitude, if I see someone walking up to me and I already have resentment because I know that person's going to steal time from me and I don't have time and this happens all day long, then I'm starting to project that type of energy to that person. You know, and, and I might tell myself, well, I need to do that because that's the only way I can have boundaries, right? Yep. So I have to be mean. I have to, you know, I have to cut people off or else they're going to take advantage of me. But you're actually projecting some negative energy to that person. And do you know what projecting means? Yeah, I mean, you're putting it off. Yeah, you're, it's you're, radiating. You're, <laughs> yeah. It's radiating you're and, you're, and you're essentially, yeah, you're, you're creating that in them. Yeah, I can. So if I'm pissed off and I'm pissed off at you, you're going to get pissed off. And so I just projected my anger onto you. Now you're back onto me. That's, that's yeah. the, a, a well, very easy description. If I see you in the gas station, I walk up to you <clears> and, and you are projecting or you're radiating that. And then, then I walk away and like that, that dude was a so dick. This yeah. is the crazy thing. This and then is, how does it affect you? Yeah, I, I, I'm not a fan of heavy D anymore. But this, the crazier part about this for me, and I'm, die, I'm jumping way ahead real quick because I just got to share this experience. A stranger is going to think heavy D's a dick. He's going to walk along. What about people that have to be in my life? All of a sudden, they can't just leave. My poor assistant hands has to be there. He has to deal with me. But I'm now I'm now radiating this pissed off energy to him. So what does he you do? Let me be honest. Huh. I've caught it plenty of times. All the time. Yeah, I'd be like, dude, what the hell, man? D Dave is not the same guy that we used to freaking pull up in like the Viper that I borrowed from Rich yep. and take the t tops off and go cruise. I'm like, dude, what? Why? Why is he upset? Why is he upset at me? Yep. And I'm just being honest. No, with you. dude, 100. So, this is this is a perfect example. So Mike found that 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 example you're giving me right now is basically we as we you know dug through things. That was me feeling frustrated that people were taking my time, and so in order to protect my valuable time, which I don't have very much of anymore, right? I had to put up this big boundary, this big wall, and then in turn, my cortisol and adrenaline levels would go up. But guess what? So do yours. Because of me, I'm causing your, I'm causing you to go into like this fight or flight mode because you're feeling my fight or flight mode. hundred percent. Now, now look how ironic that is. So he's radiate, he's triggering you to go into a low grade fight or flight. So you start to cloud up. You, you're having a hard time accessing your higher reasoning. And so whatever you were going to discuss is now more complicated. It's, it's more difficult for you to interact. And so you're, and nothing's you're, even been said yet. Yeah. So, so this is, guys, this, this blows my mind and I'm sorry, but I have to spend some time on this because <laughs> there will be times where you could walk up to me and we don't even have to say a word. There literally could be zero words exchanged feel it. and there, that is already there yeah. that you could cut the tension with a knife. When people say that this is that. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is the part where when you talked about a stranger, the stranger then was, you know, referred to that you're a jerk, right? Right. But when it's somebody that likes you or that is in your life, they look inwardly. What did I do wrong? You know, and oh, yeah. so the cause and effect of the way we, you know, interact with people, especially to the people we're close to, um, if they look inwardly and then they start wondering, what did I do? Like you said, you know, what did I do to piss them off or whatever? That's a whole nother, you know, bag of tricks that, you can go down another road on this whole thing. But I, what I found was interesting was uh, 
when you're talking about how, because you know, I've seen you in the situation, right? You know, Lake Powell, we've got our kids. There's 50 of us. We're trying to get on houseboats. And the nice person driving us, right? If they didn't ask you for a picture or autograph or anything, you were like relieved. But then you wanted to do it for them. Mm-hmm. And you'd offer. But the people who asked when you didn't want to, mm-hmm. you did it begrudgingly. They're now regretting that they wanted a picture with you. And the funny thing is, it wasn't that I didn't because it, you wanted to both times. I wanted to both. You times. didn't want to have to do it. I didn't want to you because to I, I had this it. programming in my mind that as soon as they asked, right. they were robbing my time. So yes. this is where things got really hard for me to right. understand with Mike because Mike was like, "Okay, so we've we've discovered an issue. It's people taking your time." I was like, "Hell yeah, yeah. What do we do about that?" And but then I was like, "Oh wait." But at your core, your favorite thing to do is help people. But I also, but you know, the problem <laughs> yeah, is though, Kenny, ironic. here's yeah. the issue. I don't have more time though. So I started thinking like, okay, well, we can come up with a solution. I'll give people more time. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. I don't have more time to give. So what do you do? That's where Mike comes in. So, so this, this is a perception issue. So remember that when he's broadcasting or radiating um, cortisol to you and he's triggering you, he's, he's inadvertently causing you to take more time from him, which it's becoming self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. He's creating that echo chamber of chaos. And so it's actually taking more time from him. So I was able to help him expand his perception and say, you know what? I can, I can actually have boundaries in my life without having to, you know, radiate resentment to someone. And, and it will actually take me less time. So you can actually interact with more people throughout the day more effectively. And when they're not being negatively triggered, then it's pleasant interactions, and so you're actually more pleasant to be around. And for us to arrive at this place, I had, I had to show you, right? I had to show you how to be accountable for that because you, you didn't know that. You didn't see that. You were, you were blinded by your own resentment. That you, you know, So it's a shade. It's like these lenses that you look through that prevent you from being accountable for what you're doing that's actually creating some of this dynamic. Yeah, I was in these I was in these situations and and my gut reaction, my Neanderthal reaction was problem I fix it, you know? And it doesn't work like that because I was saying that there was a problem when there wasn't really a problem. And so I was I was saying problem I'll fix it, but I wasn't able to fix the problem because there was no problem in the first well, place if that makes the, sense. The, the problem is perception is reality. Right. And when I feel frustrated, it's going to radiate to other people inadvertently, and I'm not going to really be aware of how I'm triggering them to react to me. And so making you aware of that was the first step. So if you, if you just humor me for a minute, if we go back to the rat story in the maze, the rat will run through the maze without thought. It now is a memorized program. It's, it's downloaded into the brain, and so the rat will just do that time and time again. It knows exactly how to run to the reward. If you make one change to the maze, so this is what they found. So let's say that they put a gate where there wasn't a gate, and the rat bumps in to the gate, and they're still measuring brain activity. Well, guess what happens? Spike. That's right. The, the light bulb comes back on, and suddenly the, the rat hits something that it wasn't used to, and so it forces it to start thinking about this again. So it turns on the conscious mind. It turns on awareness. And so that's what I did with you, um, Dave, is we, we got to this point where – you're going to pay attention to these dynamics that, that are creating this. And when it happens, you're going, to, you're going to choose to be aware of it. And then that takes us to the next part of the conversation I had with you. Do you remember I asked you, what's the difference between a reaction and a response? 10 seconds. That's right. Yeah. 10 seconds. 
And so most of the time when we Write that down. That's a good one. If you guys are taking notes, that's a good one. Yeah. So when we have an automatic emotional reaction to something we weren't paying attention to, our engine gets revved up and we don't know why. And when our engine gets revved up, that's going to have a carryover effect where it's actually depleting more fuel than it needs to. So you guys ever get to that point where you're running on fumes? Oh, yeah. You just you don't have any more energy throughout the day, and maybe it's been that kind of a day where you, when you go to bed at night, you're tossing and turning, and now you can't sleep, so you can't get. I'll tell you the sleep. the worst days of those where you feel depleted. <clears throat> they're not the days where you feel physically depleted. It's when you feel mentally and emotionally depleted. That's right. And your body wants to keep going. I, I've dealt with this a lot because yeah. I got. I feel I'm pretty fit. My body just wants to go, go, go. But I would get home and I just had nothing left in the tank, no motivation to do anything. And those, to me, are scarier than the days where you're physically depleted. Well, and, and also, you know, fueled with this attitude. It's like I got nickeled and dimed all day long. Right. And so when you come home, how does your wife feel when you come home and there's nothing left to offer? Mm-hmm. What happens? It's not good because guess what? We talked about this. In my situation, I would get home and I would have nothing to offer. And then I was projecting that onto Ashley. So rather than her saying, you know what, you had a rough day. Like I understand. Let's, let's just be quiet. She wants to chat more because I'm creating this, this world where echo chamber, this echo chamber where her cortisol levels are going up. And so she's got to figure out what to do with this information. And she's kind of like second guessing to turn on eggshells. So I was in, (laughs) in an attempt to create serenity at home and space and like my own little world, I was actually creating chaos. Yeah. Wild. And she's going to talk more because you're closing her out because you're trying to create that space with, with an, like an air of resentment that's, that's justified. You know, so that, that whole perspective is actually going to blind you. You know, so how many people out there are, are running on automatic pilot and they don't even realize that they're running in a low grade or even a high grade fight or flight and that is their normal all day long? You know, so if you go back to fight or flight, there's another element of that, too, that we often skip. It's fight, flight, or freeze. Okay, mm. so it's, you know, if you're walking on a trail and you hear, like, a mountain lion and you turn and look, what are you going to do, first of all? You freeze and you, you make an assessment. But when I go into that fight or flight, all of the blood is pulled from my brain and it's pulled from my heart and it's pushed out to my extremities. So I, I have more blood in my fists and my feet so I can fight or I can run. And it amps me up. And so it, so look at the deer that, that gets attacked by a mountain lion. The deer outruns it, you know, and once it evades danger, 30 minutes later, it's back in the field grazing and it's gone back to homeostasis. And that's the problem with our world that we live in right now, especially with what's going on with, with the COVID narrative and, and everything. This echo chamber of hopelessness and fear people are constantly in this state of anxiety, okay, emotional reaction. And, but they're not able to come out of the fight or flight. So they're literally becoming addicted to that emotional state. And from their perspective, there's nothing they can do about it except for maybe take some medication. And, you know, this is where heart math becomes really an interesting part of this conversation because what I'm telling you now is backed by science. It's medically proven. You know, if, if you look at the statistics of someone who's struggling with, with depression or anxiety or PTSD, if we teach them these techniques, they can inadvertently prevent these emotional reactions from happening automatically. 
Now, that's where this gets powerful, right? It's like, wow, if I can actually take some practical steps, and maybe we can talk about what that was with you. on, And, yeah, how, and that's how what I want to do. It. So okay. obviously, the podcast is called the Heavy Checklist Podcast. And as we go throughout the, uh, you know, the conversation here, I'm looking for things that we can hang our hat on and tell people like myself and yeah. like Marcus and, and our listeners, oh, you know what? That's a great place to start. I want to hit that checklist item. So... Uh, and you can, you can, you can, I'm going to kind of let you delegate where these things go, but do you think the first checklist item or one of the first would be this practice that you did yeah. with me? I have, journal? You know what? No, I have a, a very clear example of how we would do this. So let's create a practical takeaway from this conversation that someone can listen to. And it's so easy. You can easily do it. So I start out with a phrase that says, start seeing your thoughts. Okay, and I've got a little analogy that illustrates this point. Um, this was a couple of years ago. I was with my wife. We were in a small town riding on a four-wheeler. It was a nice day off. And I found myself really uptight because it was hot. And I'm, I'm, I'm driving this thing really fast. She's on the back. And I kept getting hit in the forehead with grasshoppers, mm. like flying grasshoppers. Been there. And it's, <laughs> Been there. Yep. <laughs> but, but it's yeah. really annoying me. Oh. And so finally I get hit so hard in the forehead. I'm like, what the heck is going on here? And so I changed my focus. So I was looking down at the road, driving as fast as I could because I was thirsty. As soon as, <laughs> as, soon as I pulled my eyes up and I opened my peripheral vision, I was blown away that there were thousands and thousands of these flying grasshoppers jumping across the road that I was driving on. Now, the first question is, how didn't I see those? You know, and, and so I kept getting hit in the forehead, and that's what caught my attention. And when I finally made that acknowledgement, it's like, wow, look at all of these grasshoppers. And it allowed me to, to make an assessment and make an adjustment. So guess what I did? I slowed down maybe 20%. And I didn't get hit again with grasshoppers just by making that acknowledgement. Like, I was going so fast, and I was angry, and the grasshoppers were even irritating me even more. So once I slowed down, it was really funny because I made the choice, start seeing the bugs. Okay, and what does that mean to you? Start seeing your thoughts. All of those thoughts that used to just run, you know, without registering in your conscious mind, it's now time to start paying attention to those thoughts. Does that thoughts. make sense? That makes sense? No. Okay, I know I didn't there's, think it did. There's an analogy that I don't know. Were you going to go into one? No, I just want to. Okay. I want to. I want to yeah, help Marcus so, and everybody who's listening okay. understand. This one what helped that means. me, and I don't know that this is maybe the exact way to describe it. But when I was working with you originally, Mike, I remember there was a part where it clicked for me, mm-hmm. and it was, of course, a sports analogy, right? But hear me out on this: when you're in the batter's box um, and a pitch is thrown, you have a choice to swing at that or not, right? But in our non-homeostasis, in our peaked cortisol. We're swinging at everything. It's, we're reacting. The biggest thing I took away when I was first working this, you know, part of this, uh, was that when a pitch is thrown, you have a choice. I can react the way that I have been and foul that ball off or swing and miss. It's a curveball. I don't want to, right? Or I can wait for a better pitch or I could bunt it or I have a choice. So instead of reacting, I can respond. And if that pitch, I like hitting it and it gets me where I need to go and it's a healthy choice for me, I'm going to swing at it. But it was that, you know, you have seconds when a pitch is thrown to make a choice. You know, when a situation arises that you normally are on autopilot, uh, you know, you walk in the house and your wife's talking to you and you're done with the day, you can stop for a minute and acknowledge like, okay, 
She's been home all day talking to friends, but she's been waiting to see me. Okay, I'm, I'm going to, you know, respond to her and set my feelings aside for the moment. And then we can talk about, you know, what, what happened to my day or whatever afterwards. That gave me a better result. That was a pitch I wanted to hit that way. Yeah. Whereas maybe before I'm coming in huffy puffy, you know, whatever, you know, similar situation is what you described, Dave. Um, but my knee-jerk reaction was to just swing at every pitch, you know, and, right. and I wasn't getting the result I wanted. Right. So I try to put myself in the batter's box. Does that help at Let, all? Let's do this. Yeah. Let's walk through your day today. Okay. Give me an example of something that bugged you. Uh, okay. I was doing a podcast for the Dead Air Silencer guys up in Camas, mm -hmm. and it was a really tight schedule. I started with Matt Arnold mm -hmm. uh, it, uh, in the morning. I allotted myself enough time to get to Camas to set up, and then to take that down and then to hurry home because I had someone inside my studio that I was recording. But on the way home, I hit traffic because it was snowing. And normally when it snows, I would take my truck rather than my sprinter because the sprinter's rear wheel drive. Right. And I had to go through Parley's with my rear wheel drive in snow. And I was 15 minutes late and I was pretty, pretty upset about that. So it's a chain of events that you had. What's the underlying emotion? What was, what were you feeling? What was, I hate being late. Why? Uh, cause I'm not late to anything really. And then like today, then we got here. Can, can I interrupt for just a second? Sure. What, what does it mean about you if you are late? Uh, I, I don't know. I just don't like being late. Yeah. Let's explore. I'm it, the early guy. Yeah. And, but if you're not early, then what does that mean about you? I'm late. Yeah. And it's know. uncomfortable, right? You're avoiding. Yeah. Your, I don't, I don't like, angst. I don't like. There's I don't angst like being right into that. Yeah, because what is what do you what do you feel that that radiates to someone if you're that I'm late? not professional. Yeah. So you're in a real world drive and you're driving in the snow and you're uptight because you're late. Mm. And how is that affecting your ability to drive? Uh I was probably driving a little a little faster than I should have. A little tighter, a little more intense, Tense, a little for tight. sure. Yeah. And so if we wanted to take this, this analogy, if we wanted to turn that reaction into a response, then how would you do that? Like, what could you do differently to, to be able to address the fact that you might actually be late? Somebody help me out. These are hard questions. I didn't know the answers to them. Well, I mean, these, well, well I, let, let me guide you here. For, yeah, for you guide you through it. So you've got a phone and there's someone waiting for you. And rather than assume that those people are going to think badly of you because you're late, like you, maybe you have a whole mantra inside of your mind of when you show up late, this is what it means, blah, blah, blah. And so I'm not that person. So I will always make sure I'm on time to make sure they know that I'm serious and I'm professional. And if I'm late, it means that I'm not. And so I'm going to drive faster. I'm going to be more uptight to try to live up to that standard. But in this particular case, there's some circumstances that are prevent, preventing that from really happening. So if you wanted to take the response here, to take a response, you can make a call. You can say, hey, I, I'm running late. And can you imagine though, just conveying that information and if you create a bubble where there's 15 minutes that you're going to be late, how do you think they might receive that? Well, I took a picture of the snowy road and then I sent it to her while you were and driving? While I was driving, 100%. <laughs> and then, and then uh, I ended up being only like three minutes late. Okay. But you were still late, and, and you I looked was. dejected, like when you said it, I was watching your body language. So well, you, you can ask down. Hans. When I got here today, I was, 
I was a little frazzled and then I forgot mic stands and then I called my wife and I was definitely projecting. Yeah. I was definitely projecting. Upset. I was upset and so she got upset and yeah. then she had to meet me halfway and then I had to go meet her halfway and then I was upset because I wasn't going to be set up on time. And so, yeah. So, but let, let's look at the nuts and bolts of that. Your angst to be on time created an echo chamber of chaos. Oh, my wife's going to be pissed when I get home. <laughs> She's going to be pissed. But, but if you choose to be mindful here and you don't go into cortisol, so you make the choice, I'm not going to go into fight or flight here. And so there's some actual steps that you can take, and we should talk about that. We should, we should like can this up to where. It, so the analogy I was giving you about start seeing the bugs, what I'm really getting at is start seeing the thoughts. If you make the decision to see those thoughts that upset you, and that's what I was asking you is yeah. I was asking you what negative experiences you had today because I want I want to I want you to walk through the thought that came through your mind. The thought obviously here is late. well it's it's I'm going to be late and then beyond that it's these people aren't going to take me seriously and yeah. then that turns into this giant snowball. If they don't take me seriously, then I'm going to lose what I've worked so hard yeah. for and I don't want to go back in time because I don't want to suffer, I don't want my family to suffer. You see how that just ripples? Yeah. yeah. From one thought. So you you see it and you grab it and you acknowledge it. And then Mike will obviously Work you, walk you through how to actually work through those things. Yeah, so, so that thought, you know, so someone else brought this up, so I want to bring it back in. When you asked, I think, you said, so when you put the thought on the shelf, does that mean you ignore it? Right. And so that's a great question. So I want to create a contrast here. So there's the phrase, sweep something under the rug, right? We all use that when we're saying, hey, you know, just avoid it, just sweep it under the rug and don't think about it. And, you know, eventually that turns into a bump under the rug, Right which is something we typically trip over and it starts to grow because we're sweeping everything under there. So who am, who am I? <laughs> I'm not sweeping anything under the rug here, Marcus. <laughs> Bishop Larkin. Bishop Larkin. hundred percent. We had a Bishop. Every, every interview, interview we ever had, he was like, look, I'm not sweeping anything under the rug. He was the coolest, easiest guy to talk to because that's how he approached things. Yeah. It wasn't, we're, you know, we're not, we're not, not acknowledging this. We're acknowledging it, but guess what? It's okay. Dude, I was thinking at my head exactly <laughs> when you said that. I had a lot of interviews with Bishop Larkin. Yeah. All right. So sorry. Yeah. That's, no, no, it's okay. And, you know, I'm, I'm having another thought here I, I want to bring back to you because yeah. your, your original complaint was, why does my mind get fuzzy? Mm -hmm. You know, why can't I access that? You know, and well, part of that is this internal dialogue that if I'm late, people aren't going to take me serious and whatever that is. I mean, if I were working with you more one-on-one, -on -one, we would dig all the way in to see what does it mean about you if you show up late? Because there's something in your past that that's a painful point, whether that was a reflection on you or someone else, or that was, that was the standard that you were raised under that you don't show up late because that means X, Y, and Z. Then you're now unconsciously following that protocol, and you're willing to put your life at risk driving a rear-wheel drive in the snow to make sure that people don't perceive you in that negative way. Okay, so that's causing you to lose access to your higher reasoning. So you're you're going into a fight or flight scenario just because of that thought. You're trying to honor that. So if we go back to sweep under the rug versus on the shelf, sweeping it under the rug means I'm just not going to think about it. I'm going to ignore it. I'm going to deal with it by not dealing with it. Okay. And I'm going to suggest we do exactly the opposite. So we're going to take that thought. We're going to acknowledge it's like, wow, this thing is really pressuring me. It's trying to trigger me to get into fight or flight. So I'm going to take that. I'm going to acknowledge it. And I'm going to put it on the shelf. And I'm going to start thinking about that. You know, so, so HeartMath uses a term that's called coherence. 
and you often we'll hear the opposite of that where I'm feeling incoherent, right? So that, that just means that I'm getting uptight internally. I've got that cortisol thing going on inside of me. And so I'm just not functioning in, in that optimal level that, that I want to be at. So when you are in fight or flight, you can't access that reasoning. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so when you put it up on the shelf, then it's like, okay, I'm going to honor that. I'm going to acknowledge that. And when I get in a good space, I'm going to think about that. So I'm not ignoring it. I'm going to think about it because that getting upset, getting uptight over that thought is going to show you a whole belief system, a whole value system that has the power to create fight or flight. And when you start thinking about it, it's like, okay, if I want to go with the response here instead of a reaction, what would that be? Right, so that's a good question to ask because now you're basically, so let's go back to the question I asked. What's the difference between a reaction and a response? And the answer is 10 seconds. So if you want to incorporate that concept, so the next time the thought hits you in the head, now you're looking for it. You're not the rat in the maze that just runs to the reward without thinking about it. You're actually going to acknowledge there's that thought. Oh, no, you know, this used to make me feel angst, but instead I'm going to make a different decision. You know, so the first thing that we do is the first step that we want to take is we want to start breathing deeply and slowly. Okay, so, it's, so there's the thought. Okay, I'm going to put it on the shelf. I'm going to acknowledge what it is. And if I start breathing slowly and deeply, and at heart math, they'll call that heart-focused breathing. So it's named with a description that, that makes sense. But what does that mean to you, heart-focused breathing? Heart-focused breathing, I mean, it's, it's you're literally, you're taking, for me, that's taking any awareness off of anything other than my breath and just focusing on literally the air coming in and out of me and focusing on, on it being in my heart. Okay. That's right, and that's exactly what it is. So I put my attention on my heart, and I'm going to breathe in five seconds, and I'm going to breathe out five seconds. So mechanically speaking, if I'm breathing like that, what is that going to prevent me from doing? Hyperventilating. Yeah. Yeah. What happens in my body when I hyperventilate? Punch holes in walls. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that everything, all the bad stuff. Well, not bad stuff, but all the, the, the cortisol, the adrenaline, everything just starts dumping. Literally yeah. punch holes in yeah. walls. Yeah. 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 Carbon dioxide starts to build up. I start getting lightheaded. Clearly, I can't access my higher reasoning. So, you know, so when I start, start hyperventilating, it's starting to put me into fight or flight. But you got to realize it's not hyperventilating that's obvious, like the type that you're like, right. <laughs> yeah. it's not like that. It's, if you, were to, if you were to measure your breaths when you found out you were going to be late today versus what he's saying to do, there would be you probably were breathing. I bet you when you're stressed, you're probably like me, 10 to 12 breaths a minute, maybe more, probably 15 breaths a minute, just short, shallow, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and you're not even out of breath. You're just, your body is naturally starting to pant. Yeah. Um, and so taking what he said, go back to the moment where you thought you were going to be late today. The moment where you're like, oh shit, I am going to be late. What moment was that? When you were leaving Camus? Right or when before you- Jeremy's ranch when I started seeing all the the brake lights. So that was the moment where you're like, shit. Yeah. Like the actual moment where you were driving and you looked at traffic and you, I can, I can literally hear you saying, oh, shit. Yeah. So this is where that this comes into play. Yeah. It's when I would stop and take a yeah. few breaths. Well, and, and, you know, not just a few breaths, but if, if I purposefully start breathing and typically five seconds in, five seconds out, it's, it's going to have a physiological effect. This is not just some no, mental voodoo. No, this is science now. And science will show you if, if you're going to purposefully breathe deeply, 
that actually allows your body to relax deeper. Okay, so I'm going to overt or prevent that reaction from happening by purposefully breathing deeply. Now, look how important that is. It's like, okay, I'm going to breathe deeply, and it's going to change the internal reaction that used to just happen automatically without me even being a part of that process. So I'm disrupting that old dysfunctional pattern. It's literally you're driving, and you don't have to pull over. But this is something that I started doing when he told me to, to do this. I was on my way home, and um, the guy at the gas station, and it happened to me. And I didn't have time to do my five deep breaths right then and there. So I acknowledged the guy, did my thing, and normally I still would have been fired up. Got in my truck, just... Feel how slow that was. If I can do my whole breath cycle in ten seconds, I think you just put me in hypnosis. (laughs) I mean, literally, (laughs) literally, it's it's after the second breath in. I'm telling you right now, you're like, okay, this is working. No, I've done this before though. Like, because I'll be honest, I've been building my closet right, and I hate construction. I can do it, and you know, I I can do it, but I hate it. And there's sometimes where I just get frustrated and pissed off, and I have to stop and like breathe. You know what I mean? And I can definitely say that I don't know whether I was practicing something or doing it or not, but I've, I've done that in the past okay. and it does help. So, so let me address that really quickly. So what I'm really hearing you say is I've done this before. Why should I do it? Because it didn't work. No, no, no. Cause it, it, it does work. That's what I'm trying to say is when I would like, you know, uh, what would be an example? Okay. Uh, a nail gun, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm putting in these cabinets and I have it lined up perfectly, and all of a sudden it shoots off, and the nail <laughs> yeah. shoots through the bottom. Breaks yeah. through the finish wood. And I'm, and I'm like getting frustrated, and then I line it up again, and it's perfectly lined up, and guess what? Boom, it shoots out through the bottom. And then I start to get that like, yeah. well, like, you know. Well, I mean, look at the emotional reaction there, right? So when you start getting uptight, the adrenaline and, and the cortisol starts pumping more. And so are you going to be more inclined to be better no. Or is it going to be worse? And then it's when I have to stop and I stop and yeah. I, and I usually will take it from like a day to remember to like yeah. a stick figure. Yeah. Yeah. You know this is mean? where you get deliberate though. This is like he's saying yeah. five breaths, right? Yeah. Well, not, not necessarily five breaths. What I would say is hold that breathing pattern as long as it takes to restore your internal weather system. You know, so sometimes if something really big happens to me and it just really catches me off guard, it might take me 20 minutes to be able to calm down. But why not breathe deeply anyway? You're breathing anyway, so you might as well do I'm it. I'm going to hit you with a minimum right now, six breaths minimum. Yeah. You could go all the way up to 20, 30, 100. Yeah. But six breaths, I think there's something scientific. I can't remember which breathing method hmm. it is that says six breaths at a minimum is is like scientifically like – Nobody can, nobody's physiology can stay the same after six deep, deliberate breaths. Yeah. So start with that. Okay. So if, if we go back to the rat in the maze, it's running automatically through the pattern. If we disrupt the pattern, it wakes up and it has to rethink the scenario. So I want to do a little exercise with you guys to demonstrate something to, to show how this works. So w- would you mind folding your arms for me? Very good. And you look very reverent. <laughs> I feel like I'm in CTR7 again. So, yeah. so here's my question. Um, now I want you to reverse the way you're folding your arms. Go the other direction. You got a little stuck there, did you? Yeah. So, so why was it easier to do it the first way? Because that's probably the way we're used to doing it. Yeah, and when I asked you to fold your arms, I didn't tell you which way to do it. So you just simply went to that, right? So there was a time in your life as a kid 
you're probably watching someone fold their arms. Can you remember, like, if you think about it, can you think back to that time when you're, you're watching someone do that and you're, you're starting to look at your arms and try to figure out how to do it? Mm-hmm. And then once you do it, you're so proud of yourself that you keep practicing. And before long, there becomes a, an automatic pattern that you use to fold your arms, okay? And so sometimes the way we think becomes automatic like that, and it's, it's automatically creating these negative reactions, And so what we want to do is we want to disrupt those automatic patterns. And so the heavy breathing is part of that technique. So so just to summarize so far then, I'm inviting you to choose to see the thoughts that upset you. The traffic. Going back to your situation. Mm -hmm. See the thoughts. And and see, it's like, oh, that's really pulling on me. So I'm going to put that on the shelf and I'm going to think about that. And so when you and I are working together, now we're going to address your belief system that if I'm late, then people are going to be upset with me. And there's some type of a value system in there that I fall short. And that upsets me so bad that it causes me to drive badly, you know, in in a dangerous situation. And it's only going to create worse results. And that's the same thing when you're doing construction work. I get upset. I start making more mistakes, which makes me more upset. And I get, I get cycling in that. So we want to go to the breathing, and we want to breathe deeply to be able to, to stabilize our breathing. Now, the second part of this is you want to change your internal weather system. And the best way to do that is to anchor a positive emotion. Okay, so I want you to really think about this. So I've got, I've got a good one. Like, I think of this really funny video. I think it's with Tommy Lasorda and... It's, it's the, 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 the mascot is like teasing Lasorda. And oh, anyway, yeah. it, it's a video yeah. out on YouTube. It's so funny. To me, I just bust up laughing when I think about that. And so that's where I want to go. I want to anchor that emotion of laughing because it will redirect that angst to something else that's more effective. Now, gratitude or anything, I mean, you guys can jump in here, but if you can purposefully say, I want to activate a positive emotion while I'm breathing deeply then I'm, I'm basically creating a new weather system inside of me, and I'm going to stay with that until I've been able to stabilize that mode that was trying to happen. Well, going back to what we were talking about earlier when Marcus asked, do we ignore it? When, we, when we're talking about this, I was over here thinking like, okay, breathing helps. I know this. I do this. But if I keep thinking about that thing... Uh-huh. I'm going to relive it and then it builds That's on right. itself. And so this key piece of it is that even if you did the breathing and then started thinking about something else without acknowledging first what it is, it can come back and cause the same thing. And so it's so crucial that, you know, when he said, put it on the shelf, acknowledge it, but then create a new emotion or thought or whatever, because then it, you can go from there, you know, so the breathing stops to help you become aware and then, acknowledging what it is that's setting you off or whatever, and then finding that new place to go or memory or yeah. thought, whatever. That's, I love how that all comes together. Let, let me take it, give you a little peek at how the subconscious mind works now. So the angst that you feel in your two-wheel drive in the snow, you're getting uptight and, and you're driving faster because you have to get there. What's really happening is in the subconscious part of your mind, there's something from your past that, that you're reliving but you don't have conscious access to it. It's affecting you on an emotional level, and it's a negative emotion. And so if we wanted to go find that in hypnosis, we could go figure out why is that such a value system for you? So if, if you even started thinking about that right now, you could probably find that answer. It's like, what, 
why is it so important that you have to be on time all of the time, every time? And if you aren't, then it, it proves something. As my dad. I mean, that's just the way I was raised. Yeah. You know, you're not and, late. And so, so when you went to your dad, you actually had a reference to a memory. So you generalize. So your mind went somewhere as a result of my question. And then you generalize it and you threw it back to me. But specifically, can you think of a memory that, that jumps out in front of you like something that, that's, that's really prominent that, no. that represents that? So we could find that very easily. And in fact, the, fa- the fact that I've brought this up, it will easily help you find that in the future if you want to. But being late and dad's involved and somehow you're feeling dejected because you're late. So by you trying to rush down the canyon in a two-wheel drive you know, car in the snow, you're trying to avoid that feeling of dejection that you felt with your father. And, and I wonder how many times... <laughs> Well, what's the look i don't know i just you know maybe making some sense i don't know it's new to you yeah i mean see how it all kind of comes full circle though yeah like all of a sudden something that you don't know is an issue and you would never think was an issue you just thought that was who you are see this is the big difference the big thing that i figured out is there's a lot of things where i just thought i'm just a busybody. when i get home from work i have to be busy i can't sit still i'm not i'm the guy who's never late i'm not you're the guy who's not late you just can't be always early but that's that's who you say you are, but turns out there's, there's a lot more to it that, yeah. and I'm not saying that Surprise. he's going to program you to be okay with being late. He's going to program you with the ability to, so that when you are late, your life doesn't want to crash course where you end up going home fighting with your wife. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now in reality, I'm not going to program any of that with you. I'm going to help elicit from you to help you become accountable where you can see how that's having a negative effect on your life and helping you decide what would work better in that situation. And you know, how would you like to be able to feel value without having those negative emotions if you happen to be late? You know, and that doesn't mean that I'm encouraging you to be late all of the time to prove that you've changed. Right. But you, but you can disconnect from that whole internal drama and that internal weather system that's, that's designed to create chaos in your life and ultimately takes your power away from you. What do you think about that? I'm a believer. I mean, I could see, I could see the, I could see it, you know? So, so let me, let me now show you some, I don't have statistics in front of me, but I can show you that this is clinically proven to help with depression and anxiety and PTSD. So a lot of people say, ah, you know, I've got depression, so nothing can help. Well, if you're in a state of angst all day long and you're feeling depleted and at some point you're running on fumes and you're so exhausted that you go to bed and you can't sleep all night. Well, how hard is it to wake up the next morning if you really haven't been able to charge your batteries the way you need to? It's a little harder to get up, wouldn't you say? And so you're unmotivated to get up. And so what if that pattern continues for one week? What about two weeks? You know, what about six months? You know, and at some point that becomes your normal and so at what point are you really just carrying around this hopeless narrative that life is terrible, it's always going to be that way, you know? And so then it, it clouds our perception, and it has the ability to sap optimism, optimism from you. And so it becomes a lifestyle that's just running on automatic pilot, and now you're the rat running through the maze without any thought, and the, the net result is always the same negative thing. And so what I'm showing you now is if you want to disrupt that old pattern, 
you can easily do it. So the old pattern was, wow, there was a thought it automatically triggered an emotional reaction, and the net result is I was feeling upset, and it lasted all day long, and it happened over and over and over. And if I start participating with this, I want you to think about, so you don't want to ask you to fold your arms the opposite way. Well, if I asked you from this moment forward that always do it the opposite way, how long would it take you before that felt as normal as the other way? I mean, what do you think? A couple of weeks. Yeah. And so then, then when I asked you to fold your arms, you might have a little conundrum. It's like, oh, well, I've got a choice here. Should I go this way or should I go this way? And you could show off. It's like, look at me. I can go this way. I can go this way, <laughs> you know. But we can do the same thing. We can create new neural pathways. So, so think about this. At some point, what I'm asking you to consciously participate in, you do it over and over again, and guess what happens? It becomes automatic. When that thought hits me, I automatically reroute to a positive emotion, and I breathe deeply, and it's happening without even thinking about it. And so suddenly, at the end of the day, my battery is fully charged. And, I, you know, it's because I wasn't nickeling and diming my energy all day long to create this unnecessary cortisol. And so I, I'm literally now fully charged when I get to the end of the day. So I wonder how I'm going to sleep tonight. It's weird that we're talking about this today because, like, I've been stressed out all day. Like, I haven't had a lot going on lately, you know. And I, I like to spread my stuff. St I like to spread my stuff out like so that i don't have a ton on one day right so even when hans called me he's like hey can we do a podcast i'm like no and he's like well you know could you is there any way you could do it i'm like no because i didn't want to be all the way busy right and then i was like well shoot yeah we can ah, fine i could work seven but that meant i was i got up at 4 30 for the gym worked out for a couple hours came home ate breakfast got the kids ready packed my van gone to the first podcast the second podcast to the third I've had this bad attitude like all day. And then I hit traffic, which pissed me off even worse. And then we came here and then I forgot the mic stands because I was already stressed out. And I'm like, well, shit. And then I had my wife who was upset. And then it just, but I could have, I could have chose to, even though my day was busy and it's not what I like to do, I could have like, I could have really had some power over that. Yeah. Instead of me just feeling like, well, it's just going to be a shitty day. Exactly. Cause you're going to have those days. You're going to, there, there's like I was saying, I can't get more time in my schedule. That's just the way my life is right now. But I found that as I'm starting to see my thoughts and starting to like not react to them, more time is magically appearing. Wow. It's the wildest shit I've ever experienced in my entire yeah. life because more time is actually appearing because I'm not putting out, I'm not creating situations where chaos is, is consuming my time anymore. It's, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just, it works. Does this yeah. mean you're going to text me back from now on? I'll <laughs> text you back from now on more regularly. You can take a few more breaths. Yeah. And, but, but if how does he, that make you feel? If he doesn't text you back, how are you going to be breathing? Cortisol, you know. <laughs> no, the, what's crazy is breath. this sounds like a lot of work. And when Mike first started telling me, I was like, dude, I have like, what's the average amount of thoughts somebody has a day? 50,000 yeah. or something? Yeah, like 65,000. I, I have a lot of thoughts. What am I going to do with all these? And he's like, he's like, shelf. He's like, dude, you're going to find that a lot of them are the same. A lot of the stuff yeah. is the same. You're, for me, it's dread. That's a big one for me. Um, and so I started catching these things. And at the end of the day, it was like three or four main thoughts that I had pretty regularly throughout the day. I'm like, yeah, that wasn't that hard. Yeah. Next day, pay attention, focus, same thing. So you start catching these thoughts, and it's not that much work. And like Mike said, the beautiful part about this is you're training yourself, which 
to me is pretty much your, I mean, is this considered hypnosis, waking hypnosis? If you're training yourself to do something subconsciously? Well, I mean, not necessarily, but what you're doing is you're building new neural pathways and you're taking an old stimulus or an old, an old, whatever it is out there, an old thought pattern, and you're able to reroute it. Okay, so it's, you're able to change. Well, it starts happening automatically. It, it will become automatic, just like learning to catch a ball. Right. You know, I mean, at first you bobble it, you have a hard time squeezing your hand around it, but, but as you repeat this over and over again, it becomes so automatic that, I mean, so the statistics when you get there and it's like, you know, I'm just not feeling that depressed anymore. And it's, it's so strange. I hear this all of the time. And when someone comes back in, they'll, you know, I'll, I'll, qual I'll quantify the work that we've done with them. I'll say, okay, well, let's, let's rate where you were before and let's rate where you are now. And what type of improvement do you have? And they'll, they'll be surprised to say, whoa, like 80% better, yeah. you know, and they're still complaining about that 20%. But to, to come back and say, look, let's, let's acknowledge the 80% improvement that you've made. And if you can change 80%, well, why not 90? Well, why not 100? So the, the real idea here is, wow, I can take control over my life. I, I can actually choose a response instead of a reaction. And that, that allows me to have that room in my life where I get to choose my emotional response. So I'm more, I'm more coherent, I, I'm kinder to people, I'm more approachable, but I'm also finding that I have more time in my day. So some of those old faulty premises that you had that were shrouded with resentment, it was like a veiled resentment. Well, that can dissipate, right? That can just disappear, that can go away. Yeah, it's, so when we first started talking, um, he was asking me these questions about, you know, what I think about myself and, and all these different things. And I started talking about, one thing that's always been frustrating to me is, I feel like I'm a pretty eloquent speaker. I feel like I can, I can articulate my thoughts pretty well. Um, I'm good at conversations. I feel like a lot of pe people usually want to talk with me, but then I go back to even like on my mission, I had a good example. I knew the discussions inside and out. My Spanish was like dialed in. I was like a, I was a good missionary and I was good at delivering information. And then I had this companion, um, Elder Hermes, if you're listening to this, you're the guy. Uh, greatest guy in the world. I love him. But he spoke slow. His Spanish was sloppy. And in my opinion, when he delivered information, it was kind of like boring and he almost sounded dumb. Good friend of mine. I, I'm not like there's, there's a difference between calling a friend dumb and, and somebody who is really dumb, dumb. I just, I remember comparing myself to him. And when I would give the lesson, I'd be bam, 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 bam. And I'd look at the family and it was like they looking right through me. It frustrated the shit out of me because I would then Elder Hermes would start speaking and he'd be like, yo, hermano Hermes. And he's just like so slow and they're literally eating out of the palm of his hands. And I'm just like, what is happening? Why? And, awesome. and, and then I compared that to all these different events in my life where it's happened to me over and over and over again where I feel like I'm, I'm on the ball. I'm easy to talk to. I'm, you know, whatever. And I compare myself to somebody who's not doing as good as I think I am in, in my book. And people are paying way more attention to them. They're way easier to talk to. Diesel Dave, great example. We can go on a trip. I can be, I can be talking to somebody like, what do you do for work? What do you do this? What do you do that? Diesel Dave can be like, hi. And they're just literally eating out of the palm of his hand. I'm like, what is happening? Why does this happen to me? And this helped explain to me like, oh, okay. Like I had this force field around me that was agitating the people that I was trying to talk to. And I didn't even know it. They, their cortisol levels were high. They didn't know why. Their adrenaline was high. I was creating this weird response in them 
because of what was coming out of me. This makes me really happy for you, man. Yeah, me too. It's huge. Yeah. It's huge. And then you think about Dave, like a guy like Dave, think about why all of his conversations just flow so naturally. Because you don't feel stressed out. You don't feel upset or angry or, or anything when, he, when you're talking to Dave because he's not putting those vibes out there. So this is, this is obviously huge for me. Like you said, this has been something that uh, yeah. it's, it's a lot of work. Uh, learning how this all works and, and practicing it, and which is why I'm excited for the hypnosis side of it because the hypnosis side of it kind of is like is like putting it on the fast track, right? Yeah. It starts doing some of the work subconsciously for you, not for you. You allow it to go in and it accelerates the work that you're already doing consciously. That's right. Yeah, and that's the beauty here. Um, I, I guess if I have a message for the world, it's that change is way easier than most people want to believe. Yeah. And, and, and so the, even these simple steps that I've taught you today, you put them into practice and it will change your life. And it, it's so easy. And guess what? Your situation is not unique. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're not, you're not, I don't care what you've been through. This works for you is what I'm saying with that. Yeah. Everybody's situation is unique and you've had your own different things, but you're not exempt from these techniques. They'll work on pretty much anybody. Well, right? that, no, just, they will. You yeah. just can't say that you are that person and right. that's the way it is. Yeah. That's what kind of what I'm getting from. That's it hard too. though for a lot of people. You got people listening to this. We've got a lot of vets that listen to our show. Yeah. They've been to Iraq. They've seen their best friends get blown up in front of them. They're that guy. Yeah. You know, I, I'm sorry, but I am that person. I have had those bad experiences. As, you know, these people view the world like this. And, and so it's a lot harder for them to think, what do you know? You've never been to combat. You've never yeah. been to war. You never you, you you haven't experienced. You haven't seen the things that I've seen, and so we see that happening a lot. And so if you you're listening and you've ever caught yourself viewing the world from that uh, you know from that point of view, listen to this. I think is the best thing you can do. Just realize that yes, you've seen some shit and you've been through some shit and you've experienced some hard times, but what we're teaching you right now works for people who have had very little life experience and people who have had and experience things that nobody should ever have to. Right, Mike? That's right. This information, it needs to be available to the world. It's so easy. You know, everyone who's listened to this, they can remember these simple principles and they could go teach someone else. And that's what we need now. We need to start teaching practical ways to navigate our life, to, to be able to maintain a positive emotional state. And just think about how this starts affecting other people. It changes us here in this room. It changes the way we interact with each other. When we go home, it affects, you know, it helps our, our spouse or whatever, whoever is at home, and it just creates a positive ripple. And it's, it's just so easy to just change the whole dynamic just by changing yourself first. You just get ahead of the problem is, is you don't let the, like in your situation today, Rather than letting the day drive you, which is ultimately what ended up happening, huh, yeah. I mean, the tail was wagging the dog big time by the time you got here. Small shift earlier in the day, you could have you could have stayed in control all the way up until now, and you would have been in a different state of mind. Maybe things would have happened differently. Maybe, I mean, I found that as I start getting ahead of these problems and start catching myself early on, bigger things than just good days happen. Like, it's I don't think it's a coincidence. I was telling Mike this the other day. Um, over the last... Well, three or four weeks have been working kind of intensely together over the last three or four weeks also happened to be some of the biggest deals in my career that are all just kind of like whoop, coming together and I haven't done anything differently. In fact, I've done less. I've done less of the, Hey, hold on. Sorry. I don't have time. I don't have this. I don't have that. And I've done more of the, just don't, don't do the same shit that I've always done. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's no coincidence. So heart math calls that coherence. 
So as you've been more coherent, you've been able to flow in your life in a new way. And, you know, inadvertently you have less cortisol pumping through your body. And, you know, if, if I, if I have less cortisol, then I have more DHEA, which is, it's a vitality hormone that's created in my body. And it actually allows me to to relax, to feel happy, to feel peaceful. And so think about, you know, one of the negative effects of cortisol, you talked about it, cortisol will thicken my blood. And inadvertently, what it does is it paralyzes my immune system. So, so think, of, think of a little white fish, like a white blood cell, trying to swim through mud. When my blood thickens, the white blood cells can't do their job. And so that's why people who are normally stressed out get sick, because the immune system is constantly being you know, throttled back. Because, because their body is spending all of its energy creating this angst and this, you know, these negative emotions. And so when you can start controlling that, you can inadvertently start feeling better just because you're controlling your internal emotional state. Managing that throughout a day, it's going to allow you to sleep better at night. If you sleep better at night, you're going to wake up refreshed. You're going to, you're going to wake up on the right side of the pillow. And you're just going to feel better. And so that starts creating a positive like pattern in your life that keeps repeating. And now you're making a difference in your life. Maybe you're becoming present for your wife when you come home from work and you can, you can interact with your kids. Can you come home and you can be present instead of locked in your own narrative? And the kids will get to enjoy that interaction just because you're emotionally present. You know, yeah. so, it's, so the cascading effects of this is absolutely astounding and it's so simple. All right, guys. So as you can see, we have uh, explored some crazy new topics tonight. We've uh, explored uncharted territory for a lot of us. Um, I know, Marcus, your mind is kind of blown right now. Um, and I love it because I always say this, you're our listener. You're our people. And so am I. And so to watch you sit here and process this, I know that people that are watching and listening to this are doing the same thing. They're like, wait a minute. that I, I, I connect with that. It's not just guys in suits. No. No, it's not. And it's not voodoo. It's not black magic. This is practical. Yeah. You know, we, when I saw the connection on your face, when he, well, when I saw the look on your face, when he connected your, like your disdain for being late with, um, feelings that you had with your dad, it's a pretty powerful moment. You felt it. The whole room felt it. And that's, there's thousands of moments like that in our lives that we can go through and, and kind of work through and use them to our advantage rather than to our detriment, if that makes sense. So um, guys, thank you for joining us. We're going to get into the checklist items right now. Um, obviously uh, there's a lot to process, a lot to digest tonight. So checklist item number one, um, which is the title of this episode is start seeing your thoughts. Yeah. Don't look down. Don't let the grass grasshoppers hit you in the forehead. Look up <laughs> and just start, just start seeing them. Doesn't mean you have to even do anything with them yet. Right. Mike, you just yeah. want to notice them, acknowledge them, Put them up on the shelf real quick and just say, hey, you know what? That made me feel angry. Yeah. That made me feel dread. That made me feel anxiety. That made me feel these different things. Just start noticing what makes you feel certain ways. That's all we're asking you for checklist item number one. Checklist item number two, when you do acknowledge that thought and you're ready to start feeling angry because you're going to be late, go to your breathing. Yep. Do some heart breathing. I'm going to suggest, and this is no formal you know, suggestion, but what's worked best for me, a minimum of six deep breaths, five seconds in, five seconds out, right? So in through your nose, I like to go out through my mouth, five seconds, nice and slow, big controlled deep breaths. 
do that at least six times or better yet, do it until you actually feel the climate change. Feel your internal, uh, you know, weather system. Your internal weather weather systems going. Okay, hey, it's not so cloudy anymore. We're feeling okay. Yeah. And then, to top it off, checklist item number three is go grab yourself the best, biggest, juiciest, positive memory or thought that you have, and just put it front and center. Mine for you guys, so you know, my little boy Mac. He's the best. He's just the best. Every night before um, when I'm putting him to bed, as I'm leaving his bedroom, he goes, "Hey, Pa, you're my best dad ever." And just the way he says it and just the, like, it's just like this moment where like nothing else exists in the world other than that moment. So for me, that's it. And it literally, you guys can see like, I'm, I'm like, I go take a nap right now. I'm so like at peace, just that one little moment. So find what that thought is for you and go to it and spend some time there. And then guess what? That moment of anger or frustration where you were going to be late and then it was going to derail your whole day and you're going to go home and end up getting in a fight with your wife. Well, there's a good chance it's not going to go that way anymore. Powerful, powerful stuff, and it's so freaking simple. Three easy steps. Yeah, Mike, thank you for sharing those items with us. This is powerful. I'm really looking forward to the next episode because next uh, time we sit down, we're actually going to do a little bit of uh, a little uh, kind of one-on-one. Yeah. I want you to work with um, Hands and because uh, you know Hands is a great example of our listeners as well. He's somebody who has experienced anxiety and different things throughout his life, and uh, I kind of want you to dig in and uh, show you know our viewers and listeners what this actually looks like and how this actually works. So really excited for that. But thank you for joining us. Um, Guys, if you have not got Mike's book, you should do that right now because we're going to be doing at least three podcast episodes uh, with Mike. And then from there, we're going to lead into a whole, you know, educational video series. And, you know, like I said, potentially live events that we're going to be doing with him as well, because this is a message that's going to change the world. It's actually starting to change the world already. And uh, it's changed my life. It's changed Kenny's life. It's changed uh, Marcus's life just here tonight um, in in a very positive way. So uh, get the book, buckle up and stay tuned because next episode of Mike is going to be a doozy. Mike, thanks for joining us. Happy to be here. Thank you.